soy Wendy. Hi, I'm Rosie. And you're listening to Spilling La Sopa, a podcast about real Latinas, real conversations, real chistosas. <laughs> Hola a todos nuestros listeners. Bienvenidos. It's your amiga Wendy. Excuse my congestedness. I am still getting over a cold, but you know, it's still very important for us to, you know, meet today and and you know, record for you guys. I know that we continue to be MIA this year, and you know, 2023 has been very busy in a good way for all of us. And uh, also, we understand that when you get busy on one area of life, then that also means that maybe other areas tend to get neglected. And unfortunately, así ha pasado con the Spilling La Sopa podcast. But here we are, you know, crawling back to the stomping grounds and hoping to, you know, continue to give you some, you know, material that is, you know, still, you know, helpful, fun, and, you know, something that you want to listen to in your commute. Um, but yeah, so welcome us back. Amiga Rosie, ¿cómo estás? ¿Qué cuentas? Hello, hello, hello. Um, ¿Qué cuento? It has been a while, listeners. We are sorry, like Wendy said, but we've uh, been busy both on individual projects and just, you know, life has been life and there's all kinds of stuff going on. So um, I've been good. I've been really busy. I've been doing some traveling. Um, you know, the holidays are upon us. I just moved. So I can complain about that for hours. It's terrible. I forget how horrible moving is, but um, it's it's a good change and uh, I'm excited. How are you doing, Wendy? Yeah, I'm doing good too. I think I'll, I've just been working, man. I feel like I honestly feel like my mom, you know, like she growing up, she had like so many jobs and was always doing something. And I feel like that. And, and that spooks me a little bit. I don't want to feel like that. <laughs> so I got to watch myself. Um, but I've been forever building my website and it's been <laughs> <laughs> all year, all year I've been building it. And I, I, and you know why I've been building it all year? Because I, I'm being a cheapo. Y no, no quiero pagar para que me la haga alguien. <laughs> so, so here we are, right? <laughs> so you're learning coding um, and web design. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been stuck in the abyss, and hopefully, uh, it'll I'll hopefully be done soon. And yes, it's gonna look not the best, but it, it's my best, and <laughs> I'm proud of that Echate one. So. Porras. Echate yeah, porras. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be wonderful. <laughs> and if you have pointers or free advice, it hit hit my girl Wendy up. Yeah, yeah. And, and the best advice I have is don't give up. Because <laughs> I got no coding advice for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways, but we are here faithfully, right? Coming back to, to Spilling La Sopa. And we, we're going to be closing the season with this episode. I know this season we didn't have too many episodes, but still, we still faithfully are producing Yaki. Today, we're going to do our last episode. So to close the season, we want to answer to one request that was made this this year um, uh, regarding religious trauma. So somebody asked in our Instagram polls, they were, we asked, like, what kind of, you know, topics do you want to listen uh, to or what do you want us to discuss? And somebody courageously said, please talk about religious trauma. And, yep, it is a big topic. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, heavy topic, um, but it's also a topic that I have personal experience with. Uh, so here we are 
courageously delivering as requested. Uh, so to help us with this topic, we have my awesome niece joining us today, Stephanie. Woo! Woo! Hello, Stephanie. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. How do you feel about being in Spilling La Sopa? Um, well, I'm really happy to be here. A little bit nervous because this is the first time I do a podcast or anything like that. So I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Welcome. Don't be scared. It's fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you know, that's my favorite part about our podcast, Rosie, is that we always invite folks that, you know, they just, is their first time being a podcast, their first time I have to say public speaking, you know, and I really love that. I love that because I want to, you know, I want to give any person, you know, just this opportunity. We're all meant to be heard. And I, and I really like offering that to folks. And thank you, Steph, for being courageous because it's also takes a lot of courage to agree <laughs> <with> this. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes me think about like our first episode, you know, like that, that like nerves, like you are nervous. And even though like, you have a chance to review the recording and do all this stuff. It's not like a live show, but um, yeah, it's it's awesome that, that you're here joining us, Stephanie. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> so I just want to cut in really quick. I did want to share a little disclaimer before we get started on today's episode and really dive in. Um, the views that we're going to share today are not to discount anyone's beliefs or convince folks of otherwise we are just sharing our experience, and we hope that listeners who have a shared experience can relate. Um, we hope that you can take something positive from the episode. Um, and, you know, we, we really just just want to let you know that we're coming from, from a place of, of respect, um, and we're just sharing our our experience. Right, right. Thanks, Rosie. Yeah, take what you need, folks. And you see, no necesitas nada, pues está bien también. Exactly. It is okay. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, so the first thing I think that'd be helpful is, you know, just to define what religious trauma means to us in our own words, and then what what it kind of looks like to us. Um, so let's go ahead and start in that way. So how how would you define religious trauma in, in your own words? Um, for me, I think it's like when you trusted like a religion and somehow like the beliefs start to affect you in a negative way. Um, I think that's what like religious trauma would be for me. Yeah, I, I would agree. I feel like religious trauma is, is when religion has a negative impact on like your view of yourself. Maybe like when things are not in alignment between uh, like the beliefs of that religion and then maybe like your own beliefs or your behavior or your appearance or, or whatever it is. I think when there's things are not aligned in that way, that could cause religious trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'll just add like, and I, I think Rosie, you're, you probably said this already, but it's like this like impact on your identity. And then I'll, I'll take it up a notch a little bit, but it's also like this like threat to facing like some type of harm, be it like a physical harm, emotional harm, mental harm. In some, you know, very uh, <clears throat> extreme cases, we have the sexual harm. Um, but what I get from that is like, kind of like threat to your safety, right? Be it physical or mental, emotional safety. But there's like a, a third component there for me when I think about like religious trauma, like something's on on the line and, and that's like my safety in some way. And then I also feel like so like religious trauma happens 
when you're young or maybe when, when you're younger, right? Like maybe a child or a teen, uh, when your sense of identity is, is like barely forming itself, right? You're still trying to, you're growing, you're trying to figure out um, what's right and wrong. You're trying to figure out who you are. And I think religious trauma like comes and like that's when it probably solidifies or where it has the most impact. I mean, maybe that's not necessarily true, but you know, I feel like maybe that's when we first encounter that. Yeah, I like that. I like that you bring up the age component because, you know, I can totally see that, right? Because when you're young, you're kind of learning these things, uh, these uh, spiritual practices that you're just kind of uh, taking in and accepting it without any question or like assessment. Um, so then that also uh, you assume that when you're an adult that you do have that capacity, right, to assess and investigate, like, are these beliefs truly, do they truly align with me and my identity? But I also want to say that there's adults, right, that may have found some spiritual belief or like religious uh, group that they accepted probably in moments of powerlessness, you know, um, the, the best example I'm getting right now, of, of course, I, w I don't want to knock on anybody, but like I'm thinking about like a, uh, like a female survivor of like domestic violence or even a male survivor or like a, sur a survivor of substance abuse. Right. And then they come into these, you know, uh, spiritual religious organizations and uh, feeling like saved, you know, quote unquote. And then maybe some someplace along the line experiencing like trauma because of this right so there's there were adults but in a vulnerable moment in their life yeah and that's what I you know that's what I mean by maybe that's not necessarily true like my my assessment or my thought is that these impacts probably mostly happen when you're younger right but I know that that's not the case for everyone like that's a really good example of um you know someone being introduced to religion later in life and you know maybe um, having some of that religious trauma as an adult, right? Like both developed and experienced as an adult. And so as an adult, like, you know, it can also have an impact on identity, right? And especially if like in this scenario, we're saying you're an adult in a, in a vulnerable position, like maybe you don't have support outside of religion, right? Or the church or, or, or whatever religious organization it is. And so, you could be, you know, if you go against whatever you're taught in these groups, you could be um, losing a support system, perhaps. Right, right. Yeah. And then that makes me think about like what the effects of religious trauma look like. And this is where I think I, I can provide, you know, my own personal experience. And then, you know, my my niece uh, Stephanie is also courageously going to share her personal experience and then Rosie as well. Um, but when I think about like what effects uh, religious trauma had on, on me, I like, I specifically think about that word that I said earlier, right? Like that, that threat component. And, and it's funny because when I say it out loud and I hear it or even read the word threat, I think it's like exaggerated, right? Like, man, like, I, that's, that's just exaggerated, you know, like, these people are, like, praying or preaching and, you know, being nice and, you know, kind, and how did I feel threat, right? 
um, which I guess is also that internalized, um, like minimizing of my own experience. But, you know, when I really like step back, you know, most of the listeners know that, you know, I grew up uh, with a, a parent that was a strong believer in the Jehovah Witness practice. And, and then you can, you know, add to this stuff. Uh, but the belief is is kind of extreme, right? Like if you if you don't, you know, follow through with the steps, right? Which is like you know, dedicating many hours preaching, right? Many hours, uh, you know, going door to door delivering the message, and or you know, dedicating a lot of time to you know the studying and and the presentations that you're asked to do. If you're not dedicating all this time and you're not following or abiding by certain uh, expectations. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why I'm not comfortable saying rules, but they really are rules. But I, I'm going to use expectations. If you're not abiding by those, then you're not going to make it into paradise, right? And and not making it into paradise means that you're you will eternally be dead. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like it's and then it's like a threat to life, right? It's like you know, it's funny when I think about it, like why do I feel so weird calling it a threat? But yeah, it is a threat to life. It's like you're not you're going to be extinct and dead and you won't resurrect. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I feel it's like they they try to make it seem like, you know, it's God or nothing at some point. And it really shouldn't be like that, I feel. Um, uh, for like a lot of people, um, if you also do something bad, they stop talking to you or they're not allowed to talk to you anymore, even if it's your own family. So that kind of like... Um, that kind of brings down your um, your little what's it called like your community um if you do something bad you don't have it anymore right right yeah and that's that support system right right it's like losing the fear of losing that support system so beyond the threat of like not making it to paradise when you die there's the like okay then and and i'm also going to have to live this current life um, alone, right, or isolated, or, or you know, without access to this community or my family, or um, you know, which is in most cases for many of us, like all we've ever known, yeah. right? Like this is the home you grew up in. This is the, these are the people that you know. Right, right, and then that's that's pretty extreme, right? Because you're like being cut off or forced to cut off a family member, right? In and yeah, that's pretty wild. Thanks for bringing that up. I forget that, right? So that's like <laughs> disfellowship, right? Isn't there like two words? What are the, what are the two words? Is disfellowship uh, and expulsion? Uh, like disfellowship. Oh, <laughs> and um, let's see. <laughs> oh, what's the other one called? Expulsion? Is it um, like? Yeah, I think expulsion. Yeah, like expulsion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like being suspended and then being like expelled. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> In like school terms, in school terms, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's or like tears. detention. Is there? I know. Is there like a detention form? I think there is one. <laughs> is there detention for being bad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think like you get like kind of like suspended if like you did something bad and you repent, they like suspend you. But like if you do something bad and you don't repent, then you get expelled or expelled or disfellowship. So there's like a tier to being bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a tier to being bad <laughs> yeah yeah and then i think the maximum offense is not it, it's not murder it is sex 
yeah. right? the maximum offense. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's it is. Sex, really? Yeah. So, like, a, like adultery or like sex outside of marriage? Sex outside of marriage. Yeah, that's the big and, one. And I mean, adultery. Okay. I think adultery was like it, that's like yeah, like sex w- without marriage is like the maximum offense that'll really get you cut off, expelled. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Okay, He's expelled. And you know what's interesting is that there's folks that have committed the maximum offense, right? Sex. And then they still show up being expelled, but there's a section where they're they are supposed to see they're supposed to sit in a section and that's the expelled people section. Yeah, like all the way in the back. Usually all the way in the back. You look (laughs) you look around the room and the people, you know everybody in that back left corner had sex. Exactly. (laughs) Expelled. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, that's grimy. Yes. That's terrible. Yeah. By the door, like one other <laughs> offense, and you're really out of here. Oh, you're really out. Yes. You're out of the skip. Exactly. I grew up Catholic, and and I think a lot of the sort of like principles are are the same. But I feel like the Catholic religion is a little less extreme, or at least people practice it in a way that's less extreme. I know again that doesn't apply to everyone, but at least I'll speak from my experience. Then, yeah, right. Like in in. I feel like my family, we're not very religious. I think we were. And then my parents split up when I was like 11 or 12. And they themselves, I think, didn't feel right really like uh, enforcing religion when they weren't upholding the values, right? Like they were married Mm -hmm. and they were thinking of ending their marriage or they were ending their marriage. And so I don't think that they felt like they were in a position to really turn around and say like, this is the right way. This is the only way when they themselves weren't going to be living it anymore, you know? So, um, but I, I did have friends growing up where their family was very religious, like very Catholic, um, to the point where like in the Catholic religion, you're also not supposed to have sex before marriage. Um, but you know, as we know, teenagers are horn dogs (laughs) right, right over the world. And in the event that you caught your kid, you know, having sex or whatever, um, like I I actually had a friend whose parent didn't want them to go on birth control. Like they they learned that their their kid was having sex, um, you know, outside of marriage, obviously, because we were really young and they preferred that they didn't take birth control because that was against the religion. And for me, like that, that just doesn't you know, make sense. And I say that from a place, speaking from a place of someone who's not very religious, um, but it's just like, to me, like logically speaking, like if you can't prevent your teenager or your young adult from doing this, like I I would want to prepare them to take care of themselves so that they don't get sick, so that they, um, you know, don't end up in a situation where now they have to birth a child and raise a child with maybe someone that they're, you know, when they're not ready, before they're not ready. And so I, I think um, a lot of the tenets may be the same, but I think it is practiced um, a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thank you for bringing that up, right? Because, you know, that's a point that I've made with with my mom many times but she's like not true you know (laughs) it's about the whole like going going through adolescence and having you know uh, uh, sexual feelings is part of normal 
life development you know it's like just part of the way if i can use the word god made us you know this is part of the stages right of development and it's you know extremely shamed it's not talked about um and it's just so unhealthy you know it's so unhealthy versus you know not having shame and you know really learning about hey this is part of my development you know and learning more about you know protection and you know how to how to have open conversations with your kids about this um so yeah thanks for bringing that up rosie but that's that would be maximum offense and then um what would what would be and you could tell us rosie also for catholic uh beliefs what happens in this case but what is like a like a suspension offense like holding hands or kissing somebody or like mm. No, what I don't is... really think we have suspensions or detentions. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think that it's more of you did this offense. Are you sorry? Are you sorry for doing this? Um, are you not going to do it again? You go to confession. Uh, you pray over it. Um, and the church still accepts you, right? Because you're there with an open heart and you're saying, okay, well, I, you know, I did this. I messed up. And I'm very sorry, but I, you know, I, I don't want to do it again. I do want to follow the word of God. And I, you know, I do want to be here and be part of this community. Um, so I don't think that there's anything like that. But once our listeners, once this airs, if, if our listeners um, have information to share, like, please, please feel free to comment. Yeah, for sure. I know. I, I, I think uh, uh, because the topic, it can be pretty controversial, right? Like a religious, uh, religious uh, topic with, you know, coupling it with trauma. Uh, we may have some folks giving us some feedback. Uh, be kind to us. <laughs> but we're open to the feedback and learning, obviously. Um, but yeah, like the other thing that comes up for me is like how like it impacts like, you know, like the parenting component, right? It's like, sometimes I feel like there were certain uh, moments where I felt like my mom was overly strict. Like, and I also wonder like, does everybody mo was everybody's mom, like even in like the same religion or even different religions, are they overly strict specific to me? I mean, I tell everybody in the uh, spilling la sopa that my mom was like Bobby Boucher's mom. Like everything was the devil. <laughs> and I wanted to be, I wanted to be a, a rocker, you know? So Black was bad, you know, eyeliner was Los bad. Darks. Hey, darks. Quería <laughs> you know, I thought it was like part of my identity and she wouldn't, you know, she'd be like, it's the devil and, you know, <laughs> gifts were the devil. I couldn't any, if a friend that wasn't Jehovah witness it, uh, gave me a gift that was a worldly gift, it was tainted, it was the devil. Um but is it like a religious, like, is it part of religion to have very strict parenting or is it our parent that takes it out of control? Um, for me, I think it might also be like the cultural thing, like, like a Mexican thing for me. <laughs> like my mom was very strict mm -hmm. as well, like very religious, but even like within the religion, like if there was people she thought were not doing good, she'd be like, you can't hang out with them, even if they're Jehovah's Witness. So I think it might be just something cultural as well. And then plus the religion was like a double, like everything is bad. You can't do a lot of things kind of thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of it kind of goes hand in hand, right? It's like 
when I think about religion in some aspects, I think about like the separation of church and state, right? For the United States, that's how it's supposed to be, like the separation of church and state. But a lot of things are aligned, right? The laws, the Ten Commandments, don't murder anybody, don't steal. Like these are also laws, like don't murder anybody, don't steal. Um, and I think that's also maybe like, you know, even if, if there is a religious component to raising your child, I think that as a parent, you probably do it with the best intent at heart, right? You want them to be a good person. You want them to be a valuable, a contributing member of society. Uh, you want them to be viewed in a good light. You want them to be successful and safe and healthy and all of these things. And so, you know, Wendy, we've we've talked about, you know, you shared about your upbringing in, in episodes and such and, and you know, be- believing that like your mom did the best that she could do with the tools that she had. I think this is another tool, right? Religion is is a place to build community in a in a in a country where maybe you feel alone, um, mm-hmm. and yeah. there's a structure, right? Children need structure, and this one is a little a little too much structure, but nonetheless, it's a structure, right? Where where a parent could say, okay, well, this is what you're supposed to do, right? Like this is what you're supposed to do to be on the right track, um, both for you know to achieve good things in this life and you know access to paradise as you called it right right is that is that the equivalent is that heaven your heaven paradise yes i think i i believe so that's the equivalent of heaven and and does do people in uh catholicism do they need to do anything specific to get to heaven um you need to do your sacraments so that's baptism first communion confirmation and if you get married you have to get married by the church um, you also have to, you know, go to church, uh, lead your life with, you know, God following the word of God, raising your children to follow the word of God. Um, and then, you know, the thou shalt not murder or steal, commit adultery, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then that grants you access to heaven. I, I believe so. <laughs> yes. Are you going to heaven, Rosie? I believe so. <laughs> I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. would like to I would like to get a ticket to get in. Um <laughs> uh and, and it's just like it, it, it you know like I think with religion like I again I'm you know speaking from a place of a person that grew up Catholic but is not currently very religious. Um I feel like I have a relationship with God. I believe in God and I believe in a lot of the tenets of the Catholic religion because that's like what I know. Um, but I don't necessarily agree with everything that the Catholic church, you know, has to say, or the direction sort of like the, you know, I don't agree with every sermon that I hear. Um, but I don't think so. So I guess maybe that makes me someone who isn't Catholic, but I don't think it makes me a bad person. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I I think Mm -hmm. that I do believe that there is a heaven and, um, the way that I would, you know, try to get in it is to try to be a good person, um, to, you know, um, try to help where I can, um, to strengthen my spiritual beliefs and my connection with God and to like do good. You know, I feel like personally, I feel like maybe there isn't a huge laundry list of things that you have to do. Um, I think you have to do the basics, but like mean it, you know, like have it come from the heart. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you bring up another good point, right? And it's that perception that you're a bad person, right? If you don't um, follow through with the expectations or um, I'll use, you know, the rules of the organization, like that makes you a bad person, right? So I think that really, that's really like impactful, right? If a person believes that, right? Like I'm bad, right? Like I'm, I'm a bad, uh, son of God and, you know, I'm a bad, uh, you know, sister or brother, right. For not following through. Um, I could just, you know, imagine the layers and layers of, of, you know, like how deep that cuts, right. That belief, right. That you're not good, that you're no good for not following through with these expectations. Um, and I feel like to a certain extent, I felt that way. I actually left, you know, the Jehovah practices when I was about 17, 18, transitioning into college. Um, and then there was a period of shame that I experienced. Uh, but then, you know, andaba de, de worldly, you know? So I was like, I, I didn't let it stop me too much, you know? Like, <laughs> I was like on the worldly uh, roller coaster. So I was all like, okay, I'm bad and I feel shameful, pero I'm here in college. Uh, what's up, everybody? And, you know, but then I can totally see that impacting, you know, somebody like, you know, I have another family member that was very, very involved in the feeling of shame, right? And embarrassment that that person believed she brought into our family. <laughs> and I'm kind of chuckling because in yeah. my family, I feel like I did todo, dude. Like so many people broke these <laughs> rules like heavily, you know? Um, and and I can imagine, you know, this family member feeling so deeply hurt. Like she really wanted to like, you know, make it through all these expectations. But what about you, Steph? Did you have any experience with feeling like bad, like you were a bad person or? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I left, like, I actually like left my home when I was 18 because of like the religious aspect of it. So I kind of, um, they disfellowshipped me from the church. So all my friends, all my family couldn't talk to me anymore. I literally like left um, to be on my own when I was 18, which I really didn't know a lot. And for like five years, I didn't talk to like anybody. And I felt like into like a deep depression. And um, a lot of it was because I felt like guilty. Like I had betrayed like my family. I had betrayed the church. Like I just felt like really bad all those years. And then finally, like one day kind of like kicked in and I'm like, why am I still being sad about this? <laughs> I'm like, there's so many other good things, you know, you could feel good about. Um, and just focusing on that bad aspect um, just kind of like soured me for like those five years. So I'm kind of glad that like now my family talks to me and I have a new support system, but it was pretty hard, um, especially when you're a teen, because you really don't know what's going on with life and you're just experiencing everything for the first time. So, um, yeah, it was pretty hard. That sounds very hard, just being 18 and on your own and just no support like overnight. <laughs> yeah. Because I imagine that that probably happened overnight, right? Like one day, the day you move out is like the day that they're like, okay, well. Yeah, I was like, you're on your own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then it, and then that's very like like a power trip, right? Like like that. that's a lot of power to like, you know, 
all these years they've been kind of like uh you know uh you know como se dice like molding you right into like experiencing your life a certain way and then for you to be in a position of getting like expelled right like you're completely out of this pull the rug like your the rug was pulled from underneath you and like that's just so much power that an organization can have you know and um thanks for sharing that right like that this can also mean experiencing depression and anxiety and a lot of like self-doubt like so much self-doubt for some reason i'm thinking about like imposter syndrome like you don't notice ni de aquí ni de allá right like you're not from the jehovah's people you're not from the worldly people like then where where am i and kind of stuck in the middle Yeah, and it's kind of weird because, um, you know, once I was worldly, um, like I was able to do like a lot of things, but mm -hmm. I felt like I couldn't really connect with people because so many years I was taught like, don't do this, don't do that. And I missed out like even like on watching simple shows, you know, people would say jokes and I wouldn't get it because I wasn't mm -hmm. allowed to watch that show. <laughs> so I'm like, what? Like, what are you guys mm -hmm. talking about? Or like, what? Like, I really didn't understand what people were talking about for like a long time. Oh, like, yeah. like something that was seen as like a normal part of an upbringing. And worldly, what does worldly mean? It just means like the rest yeah. of us, just people outside of the Jehovah. Yeah, that's religion. what they call them. <laughs> pretty that much. Means? Yeah, like you're worldly if you're not part of the Jehovah Witness people. <laughs> I think Christians use that term as well, but I, I could be wrong. I, I believe I've heard that in a in a conversation you're like oh this is something yeah. worldly like <laughs> yeah and and did you ever watch the show real world on mtv <laughs> no <laughs> i did did you did you ever watch it rosie yeah was it what was it about was it about like 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 partying and sex and stuff was it all was it about that <sighs> I'm trying to remember Jersey. You said that, and now I'm all I'm thinking about is the Jersey Shore. So yes, Jersey <laughs> okay. Shore is all about okay, party okay. and, okay. and gym tan and laundry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think <laughs> I think the real world was about like it, it was kind of like the intro to reality TV, right? Before we got all of these right. shows. Right, um, right, right. So there must have been yeah. some element of that, but I, I don't really remember, to be honest. Yeah, but I think I think Jersey Shore is a better example, but that's pretty much what worldly mean, meant to us, at least. <laughs> like, all you oh, guys God. were doing yeah. was part gym tanning, laundering, sexing it up, and drinking and drugs. <laughs> yeah. And even, and even like, 14-year-olds? Like, worldly 14-year-olds? That's what yeah. was going on? You were going to contaminate <laughs> oh, okay. us. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, you guys are partying and and you know my only experience, like my only interaction with someone who practiced the Jehovah Witness religion was one when people would come to the door and my parents had a routine we would hide. Like same thing with trick or treaters. Like turn off all the lights, nobody's home, no candy here. Um, but it was sort of similar, right? When people would try to come to the door, my parents were like, "No, no, no. Like, I don't want to stand there and talk to them for three hours." But the only mm -hmm. interaction I remember as a kid with with a it was a classmate. So for my birthday in kindergarten, my mom brought a cake so that they could sing me happy birthday and so that everyone in class could have cake. And there was this one little girl who um, was not allowed to join us for the cake. And so basically, like they had a little desk. They put her desk like way on the other side of the room and she just sat there like doing her activities 
And I remember I was just so sad. I was like, why? You know, I was like, mom, why? She's like, oh, you know, it's, it's her religion. Like they, they don't celebrate. And I was like, but it's a birthday. It's a birthday cake. She doesn't have to sing. And mom was like, no, you know, it's, it's, you know, blah, blah. And then also my, my parents used it in help, right? My mom's like, ay, pobrecita niña. And me too. I was like, that's so sad. But, you know, like not understanding sort of like all these things that kind of happen in the background and, and why that is. Yeah. Because in, in the Jehovah Witness religion, you can only celebrate a few things, right? You can't, birthdays is, is not one of them. Right, right. What can you celebrate? We can celebrate like, or they could celebrate like anniversaries, I think was one of them. Like of somebody's marriage anniversary um, and graduations. Because, uh, yeah, I remember those were like a big thing, like just celebrating graduations and anniversaries. I think that was pretty much it. And weddings, right? Oh, yeah, and weddings. And baby showers. Oh, yeah, baby showers. Baby showers were a big thing. And then and then they celebrate also when, like, I forgot what that person's called. They're, they're like, a big deal. The serve, what is it? Oh, el, yeah, the, the person el, that would travel. El ministro or something. Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> Dad, we were, we were really good. <laughs> we don't remember. Yeah. But yeah, it was some, like, person. <laughs> Very important person that would travel okay. and like give. It was kind of like a expert speaker. Yeah. On on okay. like some topic, you know. And then whenever they came back into town, then you yeah, could party. Yeah, pretty much. They would make like a whole week, a whole week of them being there. Everybody would like make food, like do gatherings just because that person was there. Like it was cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then he and this person and his family would get pretty much wherever they they pretty much got to travel throughout the state or the country, and they had a free home, free boarding board boarding mm-hmm. food and board room and Am board. I seeing that right? room yeah. and board? Yeah, room and board. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, room and board. It was like the fam different families feed them, different families host them. Um, so they get to travel throughout, you know, the, the state or the country and, and, you know, everybody's hosting them for free. So this is, this is a really interesting conversation. I have to say that this is a very interesting topic to me. I generally don't talk to people about religion because I know that people have like very set views or very, very like firm beliefs. And it's never my intent, like engaging in a conversation, like to disrespect somebody. Like uh, my questions are, are coming from a place of curiosity. So I appreciate <laughs> both of you just like entertaining my, my questions, my worldly <laughs> questions over here. Yeah. Um, but to, to, to transition us a little bit, like, you know, we've talked about some of this religion's trauma and like how um, it impacts your sense of identity. But what are some other ways that this like manifests in your adult life and beyond that like what is something tangible that you can do to sort of reclaim your power around that like stephanie you talked about you know when you left the church you had this period of five years where where you you know you were having a really rough time like what are some of the things that you did to center yourself or to sort of change your perspective and to say no you know like this is my life and and you know I'm I'm going to be okay. Um I think for me what I I try to do was be kind of open to other religions as well. Like I went to like see like Buddhism, Hinduism, um you know, try and 
see what else is out there because I kind of wanted to feel like I had a connection with God. I'm still struggling with that right now just because of the things I teach you when you're like in the religion. It kind of, I don't know, it makes it hard for me to get a new religion, but I like to know what else is out there. So kind of exploring everything um, that kind of helped. Um, but in the end, I kind of learned um, to do, you know, self-love. Um, in the religion, they tell you to, you know, God is everything. Like, God has to be number one. And I kind of learned throughout the years that, like, no, like, he doesn't have to be your number one. Like, you have to be your number one sometimes. And that kind of helped me, like, to put myself first and, you know, kind of, um, um, you know, put myself out there and just um, love myself. So that, that kind of helped me, you know, get out of the, get out of the depression part. Yeah. Yeah. And, and thanks for bringing that up, right. About, you know, the, the self-love component. It, it reminded me of this phrase that my mom used to say a, a lot. And then I started using it to, you know, support myself and she didn't like that, but I, it still makes a lot of sense. But she always would say, Dios es amor. Dios es amor, right? God is love. And I remember when I felt there was like a, a moment where I felt like I was not allowed to pray because I have betrayed him and I have betrayed, you know, my family and the whole organization, right? Um, so I wasn't even allowed to communicate, right, with with Jehovah. And um, that phrase my mom used, right, like God is love, it, it kind of translated into self-love, right? Like if God is love and he loves, he, he, he uh, exudes that, then it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter that I didn't like follow through with these expectations from this organization or the, my mom's expectations. Like he, I, I'm still loved, right? And I can still, and I feel like that kind of in, in some way, somehow became like internalized love for myself. Like it doesn't matter what I do or what mistake I make. I'm still loved and I can still love myself, right? Um, and which brings me to that, you know, that space of I'm still allowed to pray, right? I don't have to be part of like a specific group to not pray or, you know, to not like dedicate, you know, whatever spirituality I have or time to like God, right? Um, so I've done, I feel like I've done similar things, you know, Stephanie, like I have been, you know, dibble, dabbling into different, you know, um, other, uh, organizations, but so far what I've, what I've done is I just kind of do a lot of alone time, you know, like being alone is very healing for me and that might include prayer that might include a lot of journaling, like self-reflection. Um, and that might include, you know, a lot of, you know, really assessing, you know, my own thoughts and also identifying like what, what, what really makes me like feel like purposeful, like that I'm actually digging into like the purpose in me, you know, what that looks like, right? Separate from all these expectations, which is the hard part, right? It's like really trying to, you know, dig all the way deep into like what my authentic self would really look like and want from me if I, I didn't have all these layers of expectations coming from like my culture, my religion, you know, my guilt, you know. So I think I, I, I that's one thing I, I like to do is like spending a long time and 
you know, really trying to connect with what feels authentic to me. Thank you for sharing that, Wendy. I think that speaks to like you doing your work to build your spirituality, right? Or to feed that spiritual need. Um, because I, I feel like something similar, right? Like I don't, you know, they say that Catholics believe that church is the house of God. Like, yes, I can, I can go there when I, and I do go there when I want to feel connected or when something feels off, sometimes I feel called to go, but I can, I feel like I can find God anywhere, right? I really enjoy hiking or being in nature. And, you know, sometimes I'm alone on these walks and I, you know, see a sunset or, see something that makes me feel like spiritually, spiritually connected. Right. And so um, I think that's, that's one of the things I, you know, I didn't have a, an experience like, like you two sort of formally leaving uh, the religion and, and, you know, the parameters around that. But I think now as an adult, I am at the point where I'm like, well, I, I want to decide or not, I have to decide, but it's a decision point where, um, do I want to practice these things as an adult on my own because I believe in them? Um, am I called to do some of these things because they blur with tradition, right? A large, a large percentage of Mexican people are Catholic or Christian. And so I think inevitably a lot of the religious um, celebrations or religious aspects are sort of like blending into the tradition. And so I'm wondering, I'm trying to discern that for myself, right? Like, do I want to do this because it's tradition or because I really believe in like the religious sort of aspect of it, the religious connection to it? And also thinking about if I want to have children, like, am I going to raise them through the church? Um, and then how, how, do, how do I balance out the things that I don't agree with, right? I think that a lot of the times the message that I hear in mass is, uh, touching and it's uh, nice and it's, you know, helpful. But sometimes I'm like, mm, no, I don't like that one. You know, so how do I balance that? Right. What do I do in, with those with those times where I'm like, no, this doesn't this just doesn't align with me. I don't know. Well, now I'm on a rant. Now I'm rambling. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. This this topic, I think, can get can get you to you know, going around. But one thing I think would be helpful to address in, in this in this space now that we're talking about like a, a tangible things we can do. But uh, we mentioned like uh, having to create our support system because the support system we, um, you know, was pulled out from underneath us. Um, can, can you share, Steph, a little bit about maybe what are some things you did to build support system? Like, is there... Anything specific? Um, I guess it was basically meeting new people um, because uh, when I left, I didn't really know anyone. Um, so pretty much like coworkers, um, people I met like at parties or something like that. Like there was, um, um, you know, just meeting new people and then just trying to um, be open to new experiences that's what helped me create a new support system because it was basically starting from zero so um yeah just just trying to get out there and being open yeah and it sounds like uh you started in spaces where you might have already known some folks right like coworkers. um maybe like for me at least when i moved up to the bay area i I started at the gym, like I saw the same people at the boot camp class, 
you know, all the time. So little by little, I started to kind of try to hear more about like brunch, you know, where's the brunch going on? And <laughs> can I be invited, please? <laughs> and then I think also, you know, other people that are super helpful are the actual people that have, you know, studied to be helpful, right? And when I went to college, you know, I met with folks like teachers, college counselors, right? And obviously, when you're in a college setting, there's all the other opportunities for like clubs and organizations. So um, if you're in a space, right, where you already have access to people that are already trained to help, like college counselors, teachers, or even like organization developers, those are great resources, right? To like, you know, uh, reach out to them and say like, okay, what are some things that I can do, right? To, you know, build community. Um, and then if you're not in a space of like, you know, a college space, um, there, especially now, right? There's so many like online organizations that help with like how to get folks connected, especially after the pandemic. Um, I feel like so many of us, you know, just kind of became uh, homebodies. Um, and that's nice, right? Homebodies is nice. I like that too. But sometimes I'm like, what's up? What's going on? And then you start to find out, like, even in like your city pages, they, they're having like community events. Um, so those are some ways that I think, uh, could be helpful with building community and reaching out. I also liked another thing that you said, Stephanie, um, about seeing what's out there, right? Like educating yourself on what else is out there, right? Like maybe this religion wasn't a good fit for whatever reason, but you know, what, what do other people believe? Like, does any of that resonate with me? I always try to keep an open mind, like with other people's religions, because um, um, a lot of them do have similar things like the one that I was in, but it's a little bit different. But I always try to feel like when somebody tries to come and preach to me that they're doing it out of a place of love, like they want to save you from whatever bad thing their religion is teaching them that we're going to go to like Armageddon or hell. And they're just out there trying to save you. And I think that's kind of nice. So every time somebody comes up and tries to talk to me about religion, I kind of just keep an open mind because I'm like, oh, you're doing this because you love me. <laughs> oh, that's a good that's a good twist. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I actually get a little offended. By oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> you get I guess they're <laughs> like each their own, right? But like, I actually get a little like, I understand that if if you want to preach the word of God, whatever you believe, and you want to bring others on board, like maybe that I think that's coming from a good place. But I think when you're automatically talking to people like, you don't know any better. <laughs> I'm trying to save you. I know mm. what's really going on and you don't know shit. So hear me out. <laughs> let me tell you. I you're think dumb. that part feels like a little <laughs> offensive to me. Like, how are you so sure? You know, how are you so sure that we're not both wrong? Like, I don't know. It could be. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I yeah. think your your way of, of uh, you have a kinder perspective <laughs> of that. So that's nice. Keep that. I yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, that's funny because I had a, um, a a couple of Mormon teens that knocked on my door, and then I opened gladly. Right, I was like, oh, "Okay, I want to. I don't want to like. I want to be part of the people closing the door on you." So yeah, they were like, you know, preaching, and I noticed one of them had Doc Martens on, and in my mind, I was like, "Ooh, I know you. You you have a little darks in you. Like tú eres un darks, <laughs> pero no te dejan salir. You know." <laughs> no te dejan salir. <laughs> 
yeah, I was like, I saw the Doc Martens. I was like, mm, I, I think I, I know you, right? But I ended up having like a long conversation about why, why I left, you know, the Jehovah's Witness um, organization. And yeah, at the end, I think I converted them. I mean, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I didn't. To what, to what religion, when did you like, convert them? To, to the what? worldly, to the worldly. That's <laughs> I like come to the come to the worldly side, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's only because I saw his Doc Martens, and I was like, okay, I think you're a little you're a little rock and roll here. That's not part of the Mormon beliefs. <laughs> so, well, how do you know? How do you know that Mormons care? That they care? What if you know? What if the, what if the Mormons can can be rock stars, rockers? <laughs> Maybe they can. Well, I I mean, my understanding uh, was that uh, you can't. I mean, but who knows? I'm maybe I'm I'm just projecting, but I just felt like I think <laughs> I think you don't want to do this. So let me just tell you why I didn't. Yeah, but <laughs> but there is really kind kids, you know, <laughs> yet on teenagers. Eh? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. you're molding young minds. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, but let's go to closing this episode. Um, Thank you so much again, you know, for the courage, uh, uh, Stephanie, for joining us and with this topic. Um, so usually when we close our episodes, we like to leave the listeners with a message. Um, so what, what kind of a message would you like to leave the listeners with? Um, definitely to always respect other people's spiritual views. And, um, you know, always have in mind that whatever works for you may not work for others. So just be respectful of one another. That's a good one. I would say it's valuable to have an open mind. It's a good idea to have an open mind. Um, and I also feel like it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I think that religion is maybe one of those spaces where we fall into that belief. Like it, it has to be all or nothing. And I feel like when you're talking about spirituality, like you should have I think you have some capacity to build that and what that looks like for you and what that means for you. Um, so yeah, I, I think you get, you get to make that choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I'll just, you know, repeat what I said a little earlier, but it's okay to still speak, you know, to your higher power, whatever that is. Right. For me, it's like Jehovah for others is Jesus, that Virgen Maria, you know, I don't know what other, you know, spiritual higher powers people, um, you know, speak to through prayer, but there's flexibility in that, right? Like there's, you know, just because you're not part of the organization, it doesn't mean that you don't get to have um, a communication, right, with your higher power. And, um, and I think that's okay. And also, journaling super is super supportive it's been super supportive for me but in really just jotting down those ex, your experience uh, what gives you purpose to really like redefine that right like what what where do I want to how do I want my values to align with you know my purpose right and I know that's a complex question could be a future topic um but We'll go ahead and close. Thank you so much for facilitating the topic. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for today's topic. Hasta la próxima. And remember to join us next time by tuning in with your amigas to Spilling La Sopa.